name is Rick, and I am joined in studio by my good friend, my co-host, the Niall Horan to my Harry Styles. <laughs> it's Robbie. I am definitely cuter than you, so yeah, let's... Uh... Is, is Niall the cuter one, though? Yeah, I'd, I'd argue that Harry is more successful in every way. But I don't know, it's just something about the, the little blonde boy. He's, you know, he's just got something going for him, you know? Just just a little something. Well, that's a little bit creepy of you to say. Well, but I mean, they're, they're both older than me, so let's relax on that, <laughs> you know? It's more so the phrase little blonde boys that you used that's well, kind of sticking with me. Well, it's just because I'm a big dude, you know, everyone's little. Right, yeah, fair enough. You're kind well, of, all right, we'll edit this out. That's all right. Let's just start again. Yeah, well, we actually <laughs> have, um, I would say, a subject matter expert for One Direction uh, on the line. Joined by the power of technology today, we have returning guest, also known as uh, Robbie's wake-up call. We have Dana. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Dana. Ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> Hello. Your alarm is going I'm off, Robbie. Look. <laughs> very interesting call from you rick considering a couple of weeks ago i believe that you said that liam was your favorite member of one direction and suddenly you want to be a harry so very interesting look liam has been my favorite from the start but liam seems to be crashing a little bit at the moment and uh Harry's stocks just continue to rise so look popular choice i guess harry styles but uh look i'm still a liam boy at heart there you go. <laughs> so you called yourself a Liam boy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I, I feel like that's okay to say and not, oh, I prefer little blonde boys. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> don't, don't say it like that because that's not what I said. Yeah, straight away, what, two minutes in and straight into the gaslighting. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> well, we'll get straight into it because we've got a lot to cover today because we are doing another draft. We're going back to the 2010s this year and drafting from our decade for the greatest movies, the greatest songs, the greatest celebrities. Same thing as what we did for our 2000s draft. So we thought we can't do this without bringing back Dana, who uh, just dog walked Robbie last time. Look, it was a draw in the end. All right. I want that to be known. A draw. Yeah, we put it on socials and really? it was actually a three-way draw. So <laughs> we all got, oh, that's not good enough in my book. No, no. Who got, are these people? We all got one vote each. <laughs> <laughs> and that's crazy because I voted for Dana, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there was more engagement than that, but um, you know, my parents both liked it, but they didn't uh react in the way that I had stipulated it to be reacted on on the post so they just gave it the thumbs up instead of giving it the laugh emoji for rick or the wow emoji for dana so there was votes left on the table that weren't counted so you know but we're going with a three-way draw at this point so this this will i guess put somebody hopefully ahead of the others yeah, well, you know we, we all know who it's gonna be <laughs> well at least for this decade you know robbie was alive for a lot more of yeah, it yeah um, i feel good in terms of being like culturally aware of what was going on in the in Whoa. pop culture um <laughs> instead of just watching play school and yeah. being at primary school yeah yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> imagine being a kid fucking idiot yeah losers <laughs> <laughs> uh so before we started recording we did determine our draft order now returning guest dana actually has the number one pick this time 
Robbie has the second pick. Bit of a shake-up. <laughs> and I have the third pick. And as always, obviously, we do this in a serpentine draft. So that means Dana gets the first pick in the first round. And then when we get to the second round, I get back-to-back picks. So I get the last pick of the first round and the first pick of the second round. We will be spinning the wheel to determine our category at the time. And the categories that we're going to be going through today are movie, song, celebrity, TV show, sporting moments, nerd movies. And then we've added a couple of new ones. We've got... Oh, sorry, no, Sporting Moments was a new one. We've also added Fads, Trends, and Fashions. And we've also got our Cultural Moments as well. So we've got a lot to cover, a lot to talk. It's a big decade. There's a lot lot to go through. How did you guys go with your prep? How did you feel about it all? <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to say this, but I did prep better this time than last time. But I did only. It's a hundred percent improvement from Robbie. That's what <laughs> well, it is. Dana, little, little. I told Rick when I rocked up today. Uh, I've only been prepping for like the last hour, but that's okay. That's an hour more than last time. That's so. fifty nine minutes more than last time. Yeah. So while Dana and I have been agonising over our lists for the last three days, <laughs> Robbie, <laughs> Robbie has been leaving it all to the last minute. Yeah, I definitely found this decade challenging. Um, I think it's such a varied decade in comparison to 2000 to 2009. And there was a real shift, I think, in um, in pop culture, which is really hard to then kind of narrow down to one, one choice per category. I don't want to downplay my picks a lot, but there was a few that I struggled with. There's a couple of particular categories where it was a bit of a wake up for me that like, oh shit, I actually didn't pay enough attention during the 2010s. So there was a lot of research that went into this to actually like try and come up with a good pick. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that that time, you know, spent pouring over my my phone, I guess, to, to do some research is going to pay off because yeah, I, there's a couple of things that I actually really struggled with in here. I don't know if I had enough time to figure out that I was struggling. <laughs> it was just all a panic <laughs> i was just like i'm gonna get something man i was like that's all right i guess that's pretty good i don't know if dana's gonna laugh that my my whole mindset going in was like will dana take the piss and i was like i don't think it matters what i do so it's like let's just limit the piss taking to as much as we can i'd also like to say that like robbie's one of those people that works really well under pressure but uh i i can't i can't say that with confidence so <laughs> ah, so you must have met me before Rich. <laughs> so i i don't know this this could be this could be a gem or this could just be an absolute shambles from robbie here we're gonna find out either way it's gonna be enjoyable yeah we're gonna have fun yeah <laughs> all right should we get into it yeah go on then Okay, so we spun the wheel. The first category that we're starting with today, and I'm a little bit bummed about this because I have like one particular pick that I really wanted, and I'm (laughs) really afraid that Robbie's going to get it. (laughs) Is it nerd movie? No. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to that nerd movie again. No, the the first (laughs) category of our 2010s draft is sporting moment. So, Robbie, you have the first pick. No, Dana's got the first pick. Uh, Dana's got the first pick. Sorry, Dana. Dana's got the first pick. Yes. Go for it. This was a category that I suggested actually because I feel as though there were lots of great sporting moments in in 2010 to 2019 and I feel like sporting moments are really part of, of pop culture. Um, I took a bit of a different turn 
on on this. Um, I will list a couple of my backups. So my first backup was the 2010 AFL draw where St Kilda and Collingwood drew and then a week later had to play each other again and the rules have subsequently been changed that if there is a draw in the AFL grand final they go into overtime now instead of playing a second game. I also had um, Lance Armstrong's doping scandal which came out in 2013 where it was released that um, he had been found to be doping um, it's a very big cultural moment. And this is kind of adjacent. Yeah, that this is kind of adjacent to that. Um, and I chose my sporting moment to actually be the Russian uh, doping scandal. So this was kind of, it started to come to be more public knowledge during the 2016 Rio games where it was found that the entire track and field team of Russia had been doping and subsequently the whole team was banned from the Olympics. And then there was a roll-on effect where over 111 athletes from the Russian Olympic team were banned that year um, from the 2016 games. And Russia has always been one of those top three medal competing comp- uh, countries. Powerhouse. They're consistently, Absolute powerhouse. Yeah, consistently getting medals, um, whether or not they be gold, silver or bronze. And the really interesting thing about this doping scandal was it's it's not uncommon, uncommon sorry, for, for doping to happen. Um, but the difference here was that this doping program was actually supported and sponsored by the Russian government. And that kind of came to light. There's a really great documentary you can watch called Icarus, which starts off about this guy wanting to find out how cyclists dope. So he tries to dope himself and finds um, this Russian scientist to help him. And it's eventually revealed that this Russian scientist is behind the government supported doping program, which started where they were changing the results at the Sochi um, Winter Olympic Games. Yeah. And I think kind of since then, we've now seen that you see the Russian team, but there's also the Russian Olympic committee team. So there's a whole separate group of athletes now that compete um, in Russia. And yeah, it really changed and brought to the forefront, I think, that conversation around doping and the fact that it, it's not just a personal decision anymore. It's a countrywide decision and some people will have this choice taken away from them. And let's let's be honest, like nobody's really surprised that the Russian government was <laughs> was putting this forwards, right? Like classic Russia, classic Putin. No. Oh, I was shocked. but yeah you're right that was something that was also super noticeable uh this most recent olympics in the 2020 or 2021 olympics this year where russia just did not have the success of what they're they're used to it was very much um i mean obviously usa and china just dominating as as normal but russia just wasn't up there like Mm -hmm. they normally are i don't mind it yeah i don't mind it for its impact i think um i think it's not as exciting you know, there's a lot of ex- exciting sporting moments out there, but obviously, yeah. Agreed, impactful. Rick. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> but I think for me, like, the, it, it opened up a conversation. And I think when you think about Lance Armstrong's doping and these other small, smaller scale things, and then for it to be an entire country, like, that was a big, big moment, I feel. And yes, would 100% recommend the documentary Icarus if you're interested to find out more about doping bit of a bummer start but i think um i think it's worthwhile yeah. throwing all the facts just, your way let's kick it off um, on a downer and just really trying to show off my intelligence more than anything i just you know i just thought coming into like the sport it would be kind of like we'd choose like the the achievements to our sport you know not the failures and the yeah. and the humiliation which moment got me screaming at my tv the most yeah yeah you know like yeah but can you consider it a failure if you know you think about all of these other athletes that then as a result of 
an entire country's worth of athletes being taken out, like the the track and field athletes that then actually had a chance of winning medals because people that were doping were taken out of it completely. Look, I'm of the opinion that everybody should be doping so that we can see I just complete. like the peak of human abilities. The elite I, level. I yeah. I wanna, and that's a whole different I conversation. I want to see the 100 right? meter sprint done in four seconds. Yeah. I want everybody on performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, oh my God. Could you imagine watching the heavyweight boxing? If I want to watch, I want to watch the boxing, but instead of just like, you know, regular, elite level boxers i want to watch captain america in the ring like fighting <laughs> captain russia i guess like i want to say i want captain to see, russia <laughs> i want to see the elite of the elite like let them dope that would be i mean obviously like yeah we can have two separate olympics we'll have like the doped olympics and then the regular olympics so that it's like yes this is the peak of regular human and then this is the peak of performance enhanced could you imagine humans. like in, yeah. the, in the doped olympics there's a guy that gets in there and he's not doping it at all. He's just completely natural. He's just winning. And just dominate, just an absolute three. This guy's not even cheating. (laughs) Get him out of here. Surely this can't be legal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Off on that uh, downer note, Robbie, you've got the, you've got the second pick. So go for uh, it. After what you said, I'm fairly confident that I've got what you had because uh, one thing I know about you and me, Rick, is we both share a passion for basketball. I'm panicking. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's um because you agreed with me on the whole downer thing i know it's not one thing so i'm going to assume that you also had the Cavs winning the championship son of a bitch <laughs> coming back from uh, that's the end of this podcast guys thanks so much for joining us we'll see you next week thanks everyone bye mom bye son of a bitch that was the first thing that i had written down for the this three and moments. one cleveland cavaliers comeback oh. victory uh, where LeBron James won it with Cleveland after leaving and going and doing his thing in Miami and then coming back, promising Cleveland a ring and then delivering against a dynasty team. Closest team we've had to Michael Jordan's Bulls ever. You know, it's just, it was magical that year. And I'm pretty sure basketball hasn't been the same since then. I still love it, but it's just not, that that level of entertainment was something to behold. What was it, 2016, I think it was? 2016. You don't even have the year, Robbie. No, I don't. <laughs> Classic Robbie. I'm so, Classic Robbie. I'm so fucking shattered. Co- <laughs> I'm despondent. That, <laughs> that was the first thing that I wrote down for Sporting Moment. The 2016 NBA Finals, the rematch of the 2015 NBA Finals, LeBron's Revenge, one of the greatest players of all time going up against one of the greatest teams of all time, the block, the shot, the first ever 3-1 comeback in the NBA Finals, LeBron finally bringing a championship to Cleveland. The whole, Cleveland, this one's for you. Like, yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> so the best thing about this is that Rick just did it for me. <laughs> so, but yeah, Rick, you'll you know the best part. I didn't have that until about five minutes before I got to your house. Oh, yeah, I'm not I, shocked. <laughs> I had, but I had, I had my sporting, on my sporting list, I had, what did I have? I had... Um, Usain Bolt's final Olympics walking out undefeated I had um, Toronto finally winning a ring against Golden State after 26 years in the league and nothing and then I had Anthony Joshua going from undefeated world champion losing to Ruiz out of nowhere and then I was like oh wait 3-1 Cavs <laughs> um, honestly I'm so upset <laughs> follow that rick and and to be honest like i was i'm not surprised that you've taken it um i'm surprised that it wasn't the first thing that you put down 
I was just really hoping that I'd get the first pick in this round and I'd be able to take it. So I'm doing a little bit of thinking on the fly here. <laughs> I've got a couple of options. I'll go through the options that I've had written down. So like these are the these are ones that I'm not going to pick. I'm still trying to pick between a couple here. So I had the uh, the McGregor versus Mayweather boxing match. Oh. Oh, that was such a big hype that was match. Just- and Mayweather... Wait, hang on. No, I'm thinking there was another... Manny Pacquiao was another one yes. against Floyd Mayweather as well yeah. at about 2015, I think. So, yeah, like Celebrity yeah. boxing has obviously become a thing these days. Um, that McGregor, was brutal. The yeah, the and Pacquiao. McGregor obviously being a professional fighter but not a boxer. Uh, the other ones that I had, I had Undertaker's WrestleMania streak getting ended. 20, uh, 21 straight victories at WrestleMania. And uh, I had Mick Fanning punching a shark just because that's like oh. iconic. <laughs> Yes, that is a good one. So I've got I've got three more choices that I'm trying to pick from here. And I'm really, really struggling of which way to go because there's a narrative around all of them. There's one which, like, well, actually there's two that are very personal to me. And then one which is just like a big moment in Australian, uh, Australian sports. I would have thought with you as a, I mean, I don't know the three you've got left, but I would have thought with you as a Lakers fan, them winning their 16th ring in 2000. No, okay, so there's the one other that I'm considering is Kobe's retirement. Yeah, okay. Kobe's retirement, his farewell tour around the NBA, and uh, Kobe's retirement game. His game well. against the Jazz was insane. Yes, 60 points in his final game. Kobe Bryant is the reason that I got into it. Like, he's the first person I kind of like fell in love with with basketball, so he's one of the major reasons that I'm a big fan of basketball today. But I, that's not going to be my choice. I think I'm going to go with... The last I haven't watched AFL for a long time. I'm still a fan, but I haven't I haven't followed it for a while. I'm gonna go with the last AFL grand final that I watched. And Collingwood versus West Coast. The 2018 AFL grand final, Collingwood versus West Coast. Best grand final ever. And there's actually there's been polls and surveys done which have nominated that as the greatest AFL game of all time. And I know for myself, and we talk about screaming at the TV. This is the first AFL game that Cora ever watched and probably not the best introduction to it because I was losing my mind the entire (laughs) game. I think this was like the first sporting event that I watched where I cried. Just incredible. What was the the final score? That's a good (laughs) question. It's a very close game. I know that. And just obviously uh, at the end of it, we had the the Dom Sheed goal, which sealed sealed the game for them. The final score was 79 to 74. Yeah, five points. With West Coast yeah. winning by five points. Within a kick, within a kick. And I just remember watching that with a couple of friends with Cora and like the first quarter, I think the Eagles were down by quite a bit and it was quite a big comeback victory for the Eagles. But you could tell that the tide was turning and just the atmosphere around that, watching that game just, and obviously as a lifelong Eagles fan, I've, I've grown up as an Eagles fan. It's, yeah. it's a very emotional, very personal moment for yeah. me. As I said, it's the last AFL grand final that I've actually sat down and watched. To be fair, Rick, there haven't been any worth watching since, you know what I mean? Like I watched, I watched the Geelong Swans game this weekend. That was Oof. just embarrassing to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a game, it wasn't. Robbie. It, that was a walkover. Yeah, no, it was disgusting. Like uh, even as, even like my cousin's a Geelong fan. He was like, he was there and he was like, I was so happy, but I was so bored. And I was just like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and like, even, even with the demons game last year, like after half time, it was just brutal. I think, I think Melbourne kicked like four goals in under a minute at one yeah. point. 
But yeah, the, the only other one that I was like tossing up between was the 2016 AFL Grand Final, the Bulldogs versus Sydney, which was breaking a 62-year drought for Premiership for the Bulldogs. And just that kind of that Cinderella story, the Bulldogs came from seventh on the ladder to win the entire thing at the end of the year. And just the one moment that's always stuck with me is the Bulldogs being presented their trophy, getting their medals, and then Luke Beveridge taking off his Premiership medal and handing it to Robert Murphy, who was the captain of the Bulldogs at the time, but was injured, so couldn't play in the grand final and obviously had been like a lifelong Bulldogs player. And it was just that moment of like, you know, you've earned this, you've been here, you've, you know, been fighting through the trenches with the dogs for this entire time. And we finally reached the top of the mountain. And unfortunately, you couldn't be there, but here's that recognition of your service. And I remember watching that and like tearing up being like, this is the most beautiful moment in sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing moment. And that's what sporting moments can do, right? For a culture is you do have those kind of um those times where you can see the best in, in humanity and seeing people perform at their absolute best, but also seeing the devastation that happens for a team who have worked so hard for so long and just didn't make it. Yeah. Just like Robbie. <laughs> before, before, before Dana landed that killing blow, I was going to say, like, that's one of the best things I love about AFL is that they don't, like in their playoff series, it's like it's just elimination the whole way through. They don't do like a best of three or a best of five. It's like if you show up on the day and you win, that's it. You've won. You don't have to keep, you don't have to win three games in a row or some shit like that. You know, like I love basketball, but that's to me, it's just like if, if you win, you win. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't get a second chance to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to be yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you have a bad day, that's that just means you weren't the best team. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. You, you can't you can't be like, oh yeah, we'll we'll get them in the next one. It's like, no, no, no you lost, you lost. All but right. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on for next. We spent a lot of time talking about sporting moments already, so let's move on to our next category. So we've just spun the wheel. It's. Literally millimeters away from nerd movie. <laughs> <laughs> so our uh, our next topic is cultural moments. Ooh, I'm glad I'm not going first for this. Yeah, look, this is one that I'm not super like excited about going first in. <laughs> this draft is not uh, shaping out the way I wanted it to so far. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like you're feeling a bit like Robbie this week. Yeah, except like I've done everything I can in my power to succeed. You want to know how Robbie feels right now? I'm looking at the like the list that Rick put in the group chat, and cultural moments not on it. It's like a few messages under it, so I haven't prepped anything for this. (laughs) So I'm in the complete dark, but I reckon I'll pull something out my ass. Let's go. Uh, Okay, look, there's a couple of moments that I can go. I think. I'm not going to talk about them because I don't want to give anybody any ideas. But the one that I think I'm going to go for as far as a pop culture, the one of the biggest moments in cultural history, I think up until this point, especially in uh, the entertainment industry, I am going with the 2017 hashtag Me Too movement. Ooh, okay. I had that on my I list. I think in terms of like cultural significance, the amount of people that have you know come forward and talked about their history with you know sexual assault sexual harassment uh in the workplace you know obviously this came to uh came to head with like the massive the massive uh case against harvey weinstein that was that was kind of the big driving factor behind it but 
the movement that then came from that, the hashtag me too movement where everybody was on social media, uh, you know, tagging things, hashtag me too. There was actually a study uh, from Facebook that came out after this, after the hashtag me, me too movement that found that people, like the general person in America had uh, 50% of the of the users of Facebook had a friend that had been sexually assaulted or abused, which is just like, staggering to think about like just an insane amount of people when you think about how many people are in america that 50 percent of those people know somebody which i guess in a way is like another way of saying like you know 50 percent of those people have faced some form of abuse so insane uh obviously it completely rocked the entertainment industry the hollywood the music industry so many people that came out and spoke about this that yeah it's um you know it was on the cover of magazines the, the women that came forwards and spoke out against Harvey Weinstein were everywhere at that time as well, like all over, all over the newspapers, all over the magazines. It was just this massive moment in history, which I think has also changed Hollywood's perception from like those production companies that are the casting couches, you know, those gross, those gross people behind what gets done in Hollywood. That, uh, you know, and I think since that moment as well, you've seen a massive push for women in the industry within uh, Hollywood as well. Um, you know, obviously facing up more women-led movies, more women directors, people seem to be getting their actual time to shine now after this. So I, I think the trickle effect from that, people coming forwards has been massive in that industry as well. So that's, yeah, 2017, the hashtag MeToo movement is the pick that I'm going to take. Great pick. For me, it's it's not surprising that statistic that you mentioned about 50% of US Facebook users having somebody um, who has experienced sexual assault or sexual abuse and it was a really interesting conversation at the time as somebody who was working in the film and and television industry having that conversation with colleagues about how to how to move forward from this and I definitely think you're correct that it has really inspired a lot more uh, female storytellers to have their stories told with female directors with female producers um, and with female writers and it's it's forever changing and evolving uh, and I think the the most powerful thing about it is that it transformed from just being something that was a hashtag into something that was actually had consequences and action which isn't necessarily always the case you know I feel like we live in quite a hyper real world where it's really easy to tick a box but then actually be like I've done my part and not do anything further whereas this kind of stepped it up a little bit and moved yeah yeah this moved it past an online hyper real world into reality for a lot of people and I think particularly seeing the number of people that had been affected in some way by it really brought it home for for people that didn't know those experiences of their of their friends of their colleagues of their family exactly so Robbie have you got any ideas yet I've got exactly one idea (laughs) but I like it and I back it my uh, cultural moment movement thing of the 2010s is the legalization of same-sex marriage in Australia on December 9th 2017 cleared legal and I just thought it was uh, a pretty big part of Australia's history because we weren't the first but we were definitely like pretty I'm fairly sure we were pretty forward in it as far as like countries around the world in um, legalizing I think New Zealand was actually the first country to to do I'm not sure about that but anyway but yeah it's just letting people do what they want to do pretty much like it's not uh, keep because marriage is, I don't know if Rick can really talk about it. I don't know. Marriage is a big deal to you, I guess. Look, marriage is a big deal. 
I can say that as a happily married person, it's I yeah, it's it's definitely something. I mean, it's important. It has its different importance to everybody. I think some people really don't care about marriage. Some people do. And I think uh, like just to speak to what you're saying there, just giving people the opportunity to make the decision that they want to make that suits them and their relationship. Yeah. Um, instead of just you know that's com- being completely withheld from them. So you know, I have friends that have no interest in getting married. Uh, but that's also not uh, something that should be taken away from them because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that it was a, you know, had to go into a plebiscite where we were making decisions for other people and decisions that don't necessarily affect you. Uh, So yeah, definitely a massive moment. And it was great to see such a strong yes vote, but then it was also really difficult. I think for a lot of people to see the backlash and see the no vote vocalized and they've got to give kind of fair representation in the media to both sides of the vote. So having uh, that voice on a platform was a, a real struggle for a lot of people and it made it a really challenging time. So I think to have the result be a yes vote in the end um, definitely healed a few wounds. Yeah, well, that's pretty much me. <laughs> not, not bad for like 30 seconds prep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, pretty, pretty good, Robbie. Thank you. I had a couple of different once, and I'm going to mention a couple of them. I did have Donald Trump's confifi, confifi um, tweet, confifi. despite, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, as a big cultural woman. And I also had Hamilton, the musical, as another one as well. I think that was a uh, absolute triumph of a production and really educate a lot of people on what American uh, history is and also gave a platform for non-white performers to really shine in a space. But I'm taking us all the way back to 2012 um, with a movement that was just called Coney 2012. Um, So Coney 2012 started off as a short doco film produced by an organisation called Invisible Children and its purpose was to kind of make known this Ugandan cult leader, Joseph Kony. Um, they really wanted to make him recognisable and known to, to the globe to have him arrested by the end of 2012. And on the 5th of March they released this um, video and it went viral. From 2022 it's had over 130 3 million views um, and a lot of celebrities got on board on it as well but it went, really it was a bit of a failure like it goes back to what we were talking about before with the Me Too movement where you have the option of having a hashtag and feeling like you're taking part in something but they're not, not actually doing something in real life um, and that didn't happen with Me Too but it did happen with Coney. There were events trying to um, light up the night and have all of these protests and rallies where people would like flood the streets with Coney posters um, and make him well known and there was a huge online following for this and people clicking like saying yes I will attend and I'm going to do all of this stuff and then on the day that it was actually supposed to take place barely anybody showed up and it's kind of that slacktivism that I think took off in that period where it's so much easier for people to click a button than to actually walk out their door and Coney 2012 was a representation of that um, and then also the downfall of it was that the um, one of the founders of it I think was eventually convicted of um child abuse so not the not the best cause when he's trying to stop a war criminal um, who was now this this may be a like an urban legend but i'm pretty sure that founder was also found in the streets 
naked, high on meth. Correct. You are correct. Like, that did happen. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Absolutely wild. Super wild. And I think, yeah, it's just so interesting that all of these celebrities got behind it online and were like, yes, let's make this a big thing. But there was no actual action that happened from it. Yeah. Now, it's one of those first moments of, as you said, the slacktivism of that. I'm online and I'm being part of the solutions. Like you're literally doing nothing. You're just clicking a box yeah. and that's it. Like you're not contributing anything. You haven't taken any time out of it. It's the same as those people in the George Floyd thing in America where they started doing the, uh, let's let's change our profile pictures to black squares. It's like, okay, that does nothing. Like In the grand scheme of things, you're doing nothing here. All right, I think three good choices for cultural moments there. So let's head on over to our next category. Okay, we are going into songs now. Ooh, this is exciting. Let's go. First pick, Dana. Great. I had a few different ones and a real strong contender for me was Old Town Road by Lil Nas X. But I feel as though uh, <laughs> while it's such a banger and did come out in 2019, it really kind of falls with that movement of um, TikTok musicians, which really has taken off kind of 2020 onwards. So I've, I've parked Lil Nas for now, although big fan. Um, I've gone with a song from 2010 um, and I've picked... Uh, Dancing on My Own by Robin. So this was off her album Body Talk Part 1. And if you don't know Robin, she's a Swedish pop artist and it's been around for a very long time. And the thing about this song, um, it's kind of a bittersweet anthem, like a sad banger is how I would describe it. It's a pop song about this woman who goes to a nightclub to see her ex-boyfriend dancing with somebody else and it's her internal monologue being like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to keep dancing. I can see them having a great time. I feel really awkward, but I'm just going to stay. And I really love this song, I think, A, because it was a song that I danced to in nightclubs during that time and can relate to... Yeah, and can relate to quite a bit. I feel like it also has had a resurgence. So um, Callum Scott did a cover of it back in 2017 and it kind of revamped the song and it eventually became platinum after nine years um, so in 2019, the song did come become platinum. Yeah, it, it's kind of taken rise to these kind of dance pop stars um, that thought their charting days were over and Robin was kind of on, on that edge. And these two albums, Body Talk Part 1 and Body Talk Part 2, really took her over the edge. And, yeah, it's such a cathartic dance floor song. And I think there's still some viral videos you can see of people singing it on New York, New York subways and at concerts and they can just sing it without a backing track and, and really relate to it. So that for me is the song of the decade. Interesting choice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to respond to that. It's not really, the, it's not what I was expecting. You were expecting <laughs> a One Direction song. I honestly, I was expecting yeah. a One Direction song. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I love my voice, but for me, I feel like considering this song had its like started off at the beginning of the decade in 2010 and then had a complete resurgence seven years later. And then after being around for nine years became platinum, just the longevity of the song lasting for that period of time and going through a few different cycles for me makes it great. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, I'm going to go with a song that Dana has just mentioned she passed up on 
which is uh, Old Town Road. <laughs> <laughs> so Dana's already given her reasons why she didn't pick this. Yeah, so, so give me your reasons yeah. why you did, Robbie. Well, I'm choosing it because it spent 14 straight weeks at number one after being released. And then also it when it first released, three months later, they re-released it with Billy Ray Cyrus in it. And then it took off even further. And then I did, I think it was about seven to ten different versions of the song and for some reason they were all and i just want to say i don't even like this song i'm just saying it was huge for the time because it just got it it's one of those songs where it got so big that it just became every it was just everywhere like didn't matter where you went whether you're listening to the radio if you're at the shops whatever you just hear it everywhere you went even like on youtube ads and shit like that it's just everywhere but you can't deny how successful this song was and how huge it got. It had 26 award nominations over like two years and it won 14 of them. So, you know, you can't argue with those results. That's huge. And then, yeah, just 14 weeks at number one is just ridiculous. And it beat Drake's, which had, well, I think Drake had Hotline Bling for 10 weeks and that was, that was huge at the time. And then 14 weeks just, you know, made it seem like nothing. But that's pretty much all I've got. It is a banger. And I think, yeah, the Billy Ray Cyrus uh, edition as well really did heighten its its fame. And the video clip I feel like without incredible. that, it wouldn't have had as much success. Oh, Correct. No, but like, I think I think I saw like it, even um, BTS, that, that K-pop band, they did a, a version of it with, with um, Lil Nas X. And I mean, like everyone, everyone was trying to get him to do a version with him. That's why he had, ended up having so many. And that was that, that was right at the start of his... That was his first, like, hit. Yeah, that, that's what launched him. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's up to me. I'm actually quite happy with how this has played out because I feel like my song is better than both of yours. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm quietly... I'm feeling very confident at the moment. I'm feeling really good about this. So my song, I, I, I did consider One Direction as well. Uh, I had that. I had that on the short list. What makes you beautiful? What launched? What launched One Direction into the uh, the popular zeitgeist? And you know, just they exploded. It's just so hard to limit it to one One Direction song as well, which is why I was like, I can't because yeah, they're all incredible. Yeah, they're yeah. bangers, every single one. The other one that I had on my list that I'm not picking is Gangnam Style, and mm. just because of the fact that you know that was just massive and absolutely everywhere, top the charts in more than 30 countries, which is just ridiculous. It's the first YouTube video to hit one billion. Uh, is it? I thought it was Baby by Justin Bieber. Oh, I thought it was Gangnam Style. I, my, my research may be wrong there. I but think I'm, Gangnam Style was the fastest to hit it. The fastest? Yeah. It might have been the fastest. Either way, either the fastest or the first to hit 1 billion views on YouTube. But the way that I've gone with this, and I said this to, uh, I said this to Robbie before we started as well, that I really wanted to pick something that has impacted the culture a lot and has changed the music industry as well. I considered, like, I looked a lot at Kanye's stuff because I like Kanye. I'm right. a big Kanye Ka- fan. All I did was look at Kanye. <laughs> I, was just like, <laughs> I mean, he had a lot of, he had a few albums yeah, in this time it? as well. Like, yeah. He had, like, Runaway, Ultralight Beam, yeah. um, a certain song with Jay-Z. I'm not gonna say yeah, <laughs> won't say the name. <laughs> had a couple of songs with Jay-Z. <laughs> um, I actually, I looked at one of those songs with uh, Jay-Z, Monster. Which is a banger, mm. an absolute and Nicki Minaj's best song. No, no, it's absolutely Nicki not Minaj Kanye's is best the song. Best thing about that song, Nicki Minaj is a hundred percent the best thing that's on that, and that's what led me to my pick. 
So, <gasps> I'm picking a Nicki Minaj song. Is it Anaconda? It's super bass. It's Anaconda. Oh, no. 2014 Anaconda. Now, just a couple of things about Anaconda. Double platinum in America and Australia. Broke the 24-hour streaming record on Vivo until that was later broken like four years later by Taylor Swift. The first female solo rap artist, sorry, rap album to get over 1 billion views. So she absolutely killed it this decade. I would say for the 2010s, Nicki Minaj is on my uh, Mount Rushmore of rap- rappers. She's absolutely smashed it. But the main reason that I've picked Anaconda is I see this as the precursor to a category of music that I like to call hot girl hip hop. Yes. Which is... <laughs> Cardi B. What, like Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion. Cardi B. Megan, Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. Doja Cat. All of these new artists would not have a space if it wasn't for Nicki Minaj's Anaconda. And that is such a huge like <laughs> portion of music at the moment. Megan Thee Stallion is massive in pop culture. And I honestly do not think that that would be the same if it wasn't for Nicki Minaj who broke those boundaries in 2014. I, and nobody can tell me that people weren't talking about that song and that film clip for <laughs> ages in like that was everywhere in the culture like oh have you seen the new Nicki Minaj clip oh like you've got the the pearl clutches uh, oh it's disgusting and they're just twerking like twerking is a thing and sure. I think partially I'm, because of Nicki Minaj like I might have watched it once or twice yeah. <laughs> look I'm not gonna lie I've watched it a few times it's um <laughs> for research for it's research a, <laughs> it's a good song it's a good song but yeah I'm I'm actually really happy with that pick because I think they're like Cultural cultural impact from that was massive. And I think when I looked through the list of songs, like, yeah, you've got your one-hit wonders, you've got your, like, massive, like, smash hits like Old Town Road and Gangnam Style, but I don't think that they impacted the culture the same way that Anaconda did. I think the interesting thing about that pick as well is it's one of those songs, like, the 2010s were really big on sampling other artists, and so it samples... Um, Baby got so back. Mix a lot. Yeah, so mix a lot. Yeah. And yeah, it bring, brings back that nostalgia for people as well. And this is really a decade for for that nostalgia and longing for the 80s in particular. Um, so I think having that sample in there, bringing in that audience who might just want to listen to that, then suddenly they're like, oh, a bit hooked in now with with Nikki and just the repeating dun 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 dun. Yeah, great choice. I can say I don't really remember the video clip, but I also know that it wasn't made for me. So I'm fine with that. <laughs> no, it was made specifically for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember watching at the end of the video, it said for Rick. Yeah. yeah. Should we just pause and um, what, all watch the video together? Podcast pause, everyone? <laughs> oh, fine. fine. Fine, I'll do it. And I think there's some other really good songs from the decade as well. Like also on my list was Royals by Lord. I think that catapulted her career and really changed what a, a young pop artist can do. Um, she was only 16 at the time. We hadn't really heard 16 year olds make that type of creative music. Also Baby by Justin Bieber. Like absolutely. Yeah, that was another oh, one that I had as well. Yeah. Love that. And I also had Rolling in the Deep by Adele. Um, I had that. Yeah, which was also a really um, changing song. But it's interesting, most of my picks now, just looking at it, apart from Little Nas X, is all from that earlier part of the decade. And I think that I really switched off 
um, 2017 onwards. I was like, now I'm done. I don't need these last three years. And so a lot of my stuff is focused on that first half. But the, the music from that decade is really varied, but also, yeah, has that, that callback to, to previous works. Um, and it's interesting how it then yeah. changes into this kind of TikTok generation of, of music. All right. Next one. Sure. Next one. We have movie. Oh, oh just movie. Just movie. Not nerd. I'm movie. nervous about this Everything. one. That somebody's <laughs> going to take my pick. I I'm glad that I've got the first pick for this one because when we started at the start of this podcast and said oh, I struggle with a couple of categories, I really struggled with this. And Dana, you and I had a chat about this the other day. It really made me realize how how dominant nerd movies in general have been of the 2010s and how that intellectual property has just like completely taken over Hollywood that, you know, original ideas, they don't get created these days. And it's just, it's very, it was very, very hard for me to pick something that I think stood out, but also that I had seen, like I didn't want to be disingenuous and pick something that I hadn't watched. So it was really, really tricky for me because the only times that I was going to the cinemas in the 2010s was to watch Marvel. And the occasional DC movie, you know, like it was like, it's for me, it was very, very tricky. So I'm really glad because I, I kind of only had one pick. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm thankful for that. My pick, we're going to 2013. We're going animated and we're going frozen. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh grow up. No. <laughs> I can't no. believe you, out of all the movies, you didn't choose Moana. You're obsessed with that movie. No, no. I think I think Frozen had a bigger impact than what Moana did. I it was kind of a revitalizing of Disney. I think they were a little bit stagnant for a while, and then for Frozen to come out and have their they have their true love story, but the true love but being the sisterly bond instead of like oh Prince Charming who came along and saved the day was really really big for Disney to make. It was the highest grossing animated film from 2013 to 2019, which just shows you how dominant it was for such a long period of time it won two oscar nominations sorry it won two oscars it was nominated for two won two dual oscar winner best animated feature and best achievement for music in a feature film and you can't really talk about frozen without talking about let it go which i don't think is the best song on frozen but let it go which just dominated music as well like was charting I don't think there's a parent alive that isn't sick of hearing Let It Go. Personally, my favorite song is Love Is An Open Door, and that is why it was uh, the first dance at mine and Cora's wedding. But, you know, so there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a personal choice here, per- personal bias. But, yeah, as I said, I didn't want to be disingenuous and pick something that I hadn't seen before, but I was kind of, like, okay with picking Frozen because it was such a huge moment in, yeah, in movie, movie history and, like I said, just dominated... Dominated music and it dominated the movies as well. So it had that crossover repeal, which a lot of Disney, obviously Disney's uh, musicals, but they never reached that critical and cultural success that Let It Go did. So I'm, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Look, I, I don't like Frozen. I recently watched Frozen 2 and I thought that was better than than Frozen. I don't know I don't know what it is about it. I think I agree that the sister love story was uh, unique for the time and probably unexpected from the film, but it also um, 
was always the little sister sacrificing herself for the big sister and big sister being like, oh, no, I'm doing my own thing. And maybe as a little sister myself, I was like, oh, my God, this is awful. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, this is me. I am Anna, Um, constantly getting hurt by my older sisters. But, um, yeah, I just – I didn't think it was the strongest Disney movie of the decade. Um, and so it's an interesting, yes, it won a lot of awards, um, but I don't necessarily think that the most awards makes it the best film. I don't think it's the best Disney film either. I am on record saying that I think Moana, we've, we've done an episode about this actually, that I think Moana is definitely the better film, but I think culturally and yeah, the, uh, the impact that it had on the culture at large, I think, unfortunately, Moana doesn't get the love that it deserves. So Mm. Frozen was the pick for me. All right, take it away, Robbie. All right, so my movie came out at the start of the decade, the dawn of the the tens, whatever we call it. Very dramatic. Yeah, uh, and that is Inception. Mm. Great pick. um, Yeah, it's... uh, I really know what to say about the movie. It blew my mind as an 11-year-old kid. I didn't know what I was watching, and I watched it at least once or twice a year until the age of 17, and it still just confused the shit out of me. Um, but I will say that it had four Oscar wins and uh, 157 award wins out of 220 nominations, which is huge. Hans Zimmer was, um, he did, the, I can't think, he did the, the composer. For, thank you, Dana. Thank <laughs> you. I love you. You're a good sport. Yeah, the composer. Oh my God. I was just letting you drown there. I like, know. Yeah, I make your like, own point, Robbie. I was, I was looking to you for help. And you what happened to that like preparation, Robbie? <laughs> I mean, it's in the works, you know. Can you tell us who Wait. the director was? Uh, Christopher Nolan. I actually did know that. Yeah, good. And I had, I had, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, and a bunch of other people that I can't think of. But, uh, yeah, what did it win Oscars for? Best Achievement in Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, Sound Editing, and Visual Effects. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty much all I've got. All I'll say is that it's a definitely more interesting movie than Frozen, because Frozen's just an awful movie for children, Rick. Interesting does not equal cultural impact, though. I'll just put that out there as well. I would argue, though, that this does have a significant cultural impact because we still talk about it having an inception moment and people misuse it all the time because they don't like it's quite a complex film and people don't understand it but it's still part of the the culture in that time where people will be like oh a bit of inception here i mean there's a rick and morty episode about it you know and that is the height of culture rick did you not know yeah, uh, yeah. but no Morty. you see you have to have a really high iq to understand rick and morty and unfortunately just it all goes over my head straight over <laughs> um i think there's some really interesting themes in inception as well i think there's a really big theme around guilt i think it's a great film it was definitely on my list as well and just cinematically stunning i couldn't i, I was i was tossing up between uh inception and wolf of wall street because i think those are both fantastic movies and I definitely like Wolf of Wall Street better, but I just feel like um, Inception had more of an impact on uh, pop culture than Wolf of Wall Street did. Dana? Uh, I have quite a few films. And, and like Rick was mentioning before, like this decade was really about, um, it was a decade of remakes, reboots, sequels, prequels. Uh, and I think that comes down to 
people wanting a guarantee that something is going to be good and production companies wanting a guarantee that they can make money. And for a while, kind of the end of the 2000s period, films weren't really being as successful as what they were. You didn't have those box office hits and then, you know, the Marvel movies kind of came in and that became a guarantee for people and it became guaranteed entertainment as well. So people would spend their money going to watch those rather than watch an original screenplay. Um, Inception was on my list. I also had The Social Network, which is from 2010, mm-hmm. David Fincher film with Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield, written by Aaron Sorkin, which is obviously about Facebook and, and how that came to be, and a really good film about relationships as well. And I also had on my list Skyfall, which is a James Bond film. I'm a big James Bond fan, um, and this was a fantastic fantastic film but I've chosen a film from 2017 and it was the directorial debut by Jordan Peele and it's Get Out. I watched it again last night and it still stands up. It was a film that only had a budget of four million dollars and yet made over 200 million dollars at the box office as well. An original screenplay written and directed by Peele and really focuses on the fact that racism is America's biggest demon. It is the the monster in the closet that people are skirting around and talking about, but not really talking about. And it explores the experience of a young black man going home to his white girlfriend's parents and what those interactions are like with the, the white people around him. And it's really a commentary on slavery, modern day slavery. Um, and the fact that we We still categorise people and it also has a bit of a subversion of the kind of white saviour trope as well. I I love the film. I... The jump scares get me every time. I'm a sucker for jump scares. Every single jump scare will always get me no matter how many times I've seen the film. And the first time I watched this, unfortunately, was in a aeroplane. So I watched it on a very small screen, still did all the jump scares. Watched it again last night on a larger screen. And, yeah, it holds up. I think there's that conversation as well. Like it came out in 2017 just after Trump was elected as well. And that's when we started to see more of a a shift in terms of racism and the attitudes um, of this black versus white, particularly America, but also kind of a larger conversation around the world. Yeah, and I think when we think about things like Black Lives Matter and all of the awful things that might have happened during the Trump administration as well, this film, again, really just solidifies that a horror film can uh, have a bit more depth and that, yeah, racism is horrific and it is the biggest demon. You're right, Dana, racism Mm -hmm. is bad. Have either of you seen it? Good, good point. Good, good addition, Robbie. Thank you. That's that's <laughs> yeah. what I took from that. <laughs> now I haven't watched it myself, but I did what? have it. Yeah, it was one of those. Are you seasons. kidding me? I had it again. Like I haven't seen Inception either. Like wow. this is what I mean by like when I was like the 2010s for me is Star Wars. Marvel, DC, like that's all I've consumed in the last 10 years. Like in That's this embarrassing, decade. Rick. I know, it's bad. It's really bad. It was a bit of a wake up call for me, oh, to be honest. Oh, sorry, you forgot about Frozen. And Frozen. I watched Frozen, yeah. But you could say that, that it's Disney, Marvel and DC is what you're putting on your money on, right? Because it's guaranteed that it's going to be good. Pretty much. If there's been yeah, the investment exactly. in money to begin yeah. with, so you know it's going to be a spectacle. And they've also got the advantage of having more money to advertise it more, so you're more aware of it. These other films don't necessarily have that. And I know that. I'm going to be entertained. Yeah. And that's like the main thing for me is like I want to I want to just have fun and I want to enjoy a movie and I want to be entertained. And I'm not going to the cinema. Like a lot of the times I'm – 
too tired from my life in general to sit down and like think about a movie. And I just want like a lot of the, we've talked about this in other episodes as well. Like I just want explosions and like the tra- like the Transformers series. Like, Transformers, a, love you it. know, appeals to the lowest common denominator. But a lot of the time, that's me. You know, like I just want big robots smashing each other and explosions. Like that's all I need, and I'm yeah. happy. So look, yeah, I'm not I'm not overly happy with my uh, my lack of movie knowledge from the decade, but. I'm going to fix it. I'll fix it. Do you this think is... already in the, in the 2020 decade it's improved though? Or are you still just... Nah, Marvel if anything, it's gotten worse because Marvel are releasing yeah, more things. Yeah, I would say it's definitely gotten worse for a lot of people, particularly with the access to streaming. They don't have to leave their home. And it's actually a shame for filmmakers as well because they make these these films to be seen on big screens, to be seen and heard with large speakers that are calibrated to a 5.1 and people are just watching it on their mobile phones. I was going to say, that That being said though, like me and when I... I flew back from work last week and I asked my missus if she wanted to do anything. She said she wanted to go to the movies and we just looked at what movies were showing and there's just nothing of interest. You know what I mean? Like we wanted to go see that bullet train movie with Brad Pitt because that looked pretty fun. You know, it's still like explosions, whatever, but it's still not Disney, Marvel, DC. But then there's, it's either not out yet or it's already gone and it's, some crawdad thing. I can't remember. Where the crawdads sing. It's based on a book. Again, part of that remake, reboot, sequel, prequel, adaptation. Apparently that's pretty yeah. good though. But it's like, again, I think, you know, you're saying there's nothing there to watch in terms of what you're interested in and what you've been watching a lot. There's there's heaps out there and I think we've just, and I myself, like I spent a lot of time watching all of the, the Marvel films to get up to date on them and yeah, we then just become programmed that we want a film that has guaranteed explosions, has a little bit of humour, has a bit of action. There's some heart in there as well. We're wanting something that combines everything instead of just going to the cinema to be like, I just want to hear a good story. Like I, I don't necessarily think yeah. that the the films that most people are going to the cinema to watch now are necessarily about it being a good story. It's about a good visual I think, yeah, I'm looking at the sessions that are on at Grand Cinemas at the moment. They've got DC League of Super Pets, which has got, like, The Rock and Kevin Hart pretending to be superheroes' dogs. They're doing the 2009 Avatar before the new one comes out. You're an idiot. You're both idiots. I love that movie. All right, we've gone off track long enough. Let's move on. We've talked a lot about (laughs) movies there, so we'll go on to the next one. Guess what it is, guys? Uh, Celebrity. Is it, it? Is it movie? We just did movie. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's nerd movie. Right? <laughs> it's nerd movie. Yeah. <sighs> and I've got the last pick again. This happened <laughs> last time. <laughs> the only movies that I've watched, and I don't get the number one choice. I'm so mad. You didn't get sporting moment either. <laughs> oh, this is really not going the way that I wanted it to go. All right, no, let me wrong. kick us off. I kick Dana. us off. Stop Dana, confi- I did it again. Stop Dana, kick us off. Stop confusing me with Dana. We and look so different. Purely <laughs> because I'm going first, I am changing my choice. Um, purely because I'm going first. Before we started recording this, Dana said that she didn't have, she's she's gone something off the board. And now that now that the ball is in her court with the number one pick, now she's changing yeah, tactics. You're nothing but my hero if you, that, Thank if you, you. take Thank you. My pick. pick is the Marvel film... Avengers Endgame. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. All right, Robbie, moving on to you. No, uh, I'll, I'll keep going. What a load of shit. When we, think, when we think about it, right, 
Um, look, it, it wasn't it wasn't going to be my pick just because I didn't think that I would get in there first, but it has changed now, so I'm going a bit off the cuff here. It is the the culmination of really the decade's worth of Marvel films, plus a little bit extra from the 2000s, put into one last spectacle, the last hurrah of these Avengers and all of our kind of side characters coming together against big baddie Thanos. Um, there's a lot of heart and emotion in it as well. Like I, I came into the Marvel films being really sceptical and I knew that Endgame was approaching and I had kind of like sifted through a few of them when they came out at cinemas but had never sat down and watched all of them. And knowing that Endgame was coming out, I challenged myself to actually sit down and watch all of the Marvel movies in release order um, which I know some people have issues with, but I watched them in release order to, so I could get the best experience out of Endgame when it was released in cinemas. And it took me, um, I think, four or five months and I ended up watching Endgame in one of the last weeks that it was in cinemas and I took two of my um, close friends who are very much into the Marvel films and both of them had already seen the film twice in cinemas. And I didn't think I would come into this movie cheering at points and crying at others, but it happened throughout. I, I welled up during the movie. I had fist pump moments for some of these characters and it was really nice seeing seeing these arcs kind of tie up and having having the big payoff that we were all waiting for, having that massive battle, seeing seeing the relationship of, of Tony Stark and Pepper Potts kind of come to that final end and, and seeing Captain America as well getting to fulfil his life, which was to, to age and to be back um, in the era that he came from. Uh, yeah, really loved it. It's a really interesting choice as well that the Russo brothers came on board with Marvel. Like they had originally come from a comedy background as well. Um, so for them to kind of step into this, in this, to this field, like obviously they started off with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which I always call the Winter Man, which was actually going to be my pick, but decided, you know, shake it up. Um, I mean, I'm sure you two have a lot to add to Avengers Endgame because you know, it's the correct pick. So I'll just open the floor to you. No, nah, it's actually a trash movie, and I don't think anybody should ever watch it. I've never watched it in my life. <laughs> I actually, we have to we have to stipulate something here because last last time we did the draft, once you took one movie from the franchise, the entire franchise was Correct. off the board. So yeah, that's fine by me. I don't. Have are we taking? Is that all Marvel yeah, movies are now Marvel, off the board? All Marvel. I would almost say that all Avenger movies are off the board. So you can't pick Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron. And I would argue you can't pick Captain America Civil War either because I kind of classify that as an Avengers movie. But really... Yeah, that's Avengers 2.5. Yeah, yeah, so let's say you can't do Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War, and what was the one before Endgame? Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. You can't pick either of those ones. But I think the other Marvel movies are open because... I wouldn't necessarily consider them in the same franchise. They're in the same like genre in terms of superhero movie and being a Marvel production, but I wouldn't, I'm happy for somebody else to pick a lesser movie is what I'm saying. <laughs> Very humble of you, Dana. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Thank I, you. I, I came into this expecting to not get like that thinking Marvel would just be wiped off the board completely. So my, my nerd film 
is actually Star Wars Rogue One. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that was my second choice. I'm that so was, heated right yes. now. I'm so fucking heated. That was, oh my God. This is just like a tag team wrestling match with Robbie and I taken down. I just assumed that I wasn't going to get Marvel. So I was like, I'm not even going to try and plan for it. Because if I do, it's obviously Endgame. Maybe you need to pick up Star Trek, Rick, like we talked about before. Oh, you know the, podcast. What? The, forgo- <laughs> the Forgotten franchise. Rick, no, Rick, no. Don't anyway, Robbie, continue on Rogue One. Great oh, film, I mean, great choice. It's just, yeah, it was just like the first um, standalone Star Wars film to come out while I was alive, you know, because, you know, the ones before that are just a little bit uh, off off colour. Especially with the, the sequel trilogy coming out at the time when not being all that uh, popular. To get Rogue One come out and just be this entirely different story but also very familiar at the same time as in the build-up right before the start of A New Hope seeing how they got the plans for the Death Star and then obviously that iconic scene right at the end of the film where Darth Vader finally shows up and just murders the screen for what felt like an eternity but was only just like two minutes but it was just some of the best best uh, cinematography we've seen from Star Wars in I think forever because like that that scene where he boards the ship is one of my favorite scenes on any Star Wars media from like shows, games, comics, and films. So I don't really feel like I have to defend mine. Endgame's got it, you know. That's, that's there's no there's no denying that. But if if Rogue One's not a, a second place, then uh, I'd be really shocked. So Rick, what have you got, buddy? Look. <laughs> I, I prepared like six movies, but obviously Endgame is kind of the biggest movie of all time. And Rogue One is definitely the best Star Wars movie that's come out in this decade. And that's, you know, Star Wars is like the next biggest franchise after Marvel. <laughs> so, look, I'm pissed. I'm definitely pissed. Doesn't bother I... me. Does bother you, Robbie? I'm actually enjoying it a little too much. I mean, you're in the same room as him, so mm, a little bit concerned really for your feeling, welfare, I'm, but no, I'm I'm feeling it. I'm just I'm just I'm I'm more disappointed that this has happened two drafts in a row now than, <laughs> <laughs> than I've got. I've got blame the, last the wheel, pick of the nerd movie. Just like, blame the wheel. Is, it's your wheel, mate. This is my jam. Like this, this is my shit, and I get like I get the bottom pick every single time. But see it as a challenge, Rick. Look, mm. I'm an adult. I can get through this. I can work through this. I'm glad that we've stipulated that we can pick from Marvel still, just not the Avengers movies. So I do have some choices there. I considered uh, part two of the Deathly Hallows from Harry Potter, just being that that is obviously similar to Endgame of just that build up. It's the end of just years and years of, of when did this that come film out? world. Was that 2011? 2011, yeah. So the pick that I'm going to make, and I'm, going, I'm, I'm saving this off of like cultural importance now and cultural impact. So... My pick for nerd movies is going to be 2018's Black Panther. Now, I think, obviously, doesn't reach the heights of what Endgame does. I think as far as quality of movie, it's probably not as good as Rogue One. I'm a, uh, I'm a big enough man to admit those things. But I would say that as far as cultural importance, cultural impact, Black Panther is right up there with everything else. I would say it's even more impactful than what Rogue One is. Like Rogue One's a fantastic film, but in terms of impact, I don't think it comes anywhere close to what Black Panther does. That's true, but we're not talking about impact. We're just talking about good movies. Well, we're talking about pop culture and what is pop culture? Hey? What is pop culture? Rogue One. 
They were talking about what impacted the culture, right? And that's, I think that is Black Panther. Whatever, bro. Yeah. <laughs> get, uh, get Black Panther in the hallway when Darth Vader's rolling in and see what happens, all right? Look, this isn't a conversation about that. This isn't a conversation of who would win 1v1. This is a conversation of which film is more culturally important. Okay, and I would say but- it's Black Panther by a mile. Now, <sighs> I unfortunately haven't got a lot of prep for Black Panther here, but from memory, it's the first Marvel movie to actually win an Oscar. Um, that can't be true. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm, I'll, I'll double check this. I'll double check this. Bear with me one I think moment. it won for like design. A few moments later... Okay, so Black so, Panther won in 2018 for achievement in music writing. It won three Costume Oscars. design and production design. However, Spider-Man 2 also won an Oscar for visual effects. Oh, unlucky Rick. And in the same Spider-Man year, Spider-Man Into the, Sp- yeah. Into the Spider-Verse also won in 2018 for best animated feature. So depending on how the categories were announced, it could be that Black Panther won the first Oscar. Um, but it's more likely... For the MCU. Yeah, yeah, for the MCU. However, Spider-Verse is also in there. But it's not in the MCU. Yeah, Spider-Verse is not the MCU. No, so mm. first first MCU film to win an Oscar. Anyway, Black Panther, the cultural importance of Black Panther, finally giving representation in a franchise that doesn't really have a lot of representation, if we're being honest. Uh, it was It was huge. Like, it was a massive, massive moment. And it led to uh, just, like, huge moments on the red carpet, um, you know, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, who was a huge advocate, uh, you know, spoke on so many different things and especially within uh, black culture in America as well, that it was just, yeah, it was an absolutely huge moment and a turning point, I think, for the MCU as well. So, yeah, that's that's my pick, MCU's Black Panther. I just, did you watch the dunk contest that year when um, Victor Oladipo wore the Black Panther mask? I and, certainly did, yes. And he got Chadwick Boseman to give it to him and then he missed the dunks? Yeah, yeah, um, that's a bit rough. But again, that's just like furthering my point of like how impactful that was, was that people were dressing up as Black Panther at the NBA dunk contest. Like a huge, huge moment. So yeah, Black Panther. I'm happy with that pick at the end of it. Okay. I think it's a good film and I think Killmonger's a really good villain as well. And that could be yes. a whole separate podcast that you guys do in terms of ranking Marvel villains because there's lots of interesting thoughts and feelings on those. Um, but a really well-rounded cast and i think even you know uh we had daniel kalua in there as well he's a fantastic actor he was in get out um, and you back. see he's not he's oh, not well. in the new black panther and it's rubbish <laughs> um and even just starting to see those links as well that came through from from civil war and seeing like martin freeman come in there uh and just the idea that there is a world within another our own world like we've got obviously the superhero world but then there was this entire entity that people didn't know about and it's existing and so advanced and i think that's also a kind of a commentary on the fact that a lot of the time uh western countries see uh the the technologies of third world countries or countries that aren't predominantly white to be lesser than and this was almost a flip the script on that that you see this this culture of predominantly black people with lots of tribes within this country thriving and having advanced technological breakthroughs as well i agree yeah. <laughs> good All pick right. could have been right. end game could have been end game but yeah, yeah, apparently apparently the random number generator fucking hates me so yeah, you, still, <laughs> you still chose a marvel movie so it's just like yeah, yeah. gotta get it in there somehow 
I'm so I've got the next pick, the first pick of the next round, and I really hope that it's either celebrity or TV show. If it's fads, trends, and fashion, I'm gonna lose my shit because that's the one that I care the least about and that I'm the least confident in. I really want to get my top pick in one of the like celebrity or TV shows. So. I I'm just upset that I'm not going first for TV show because TV show. I'm sorry, TV show has an obvious answer, and if you don't choose it, then who you can? Yeah, yeah says you, mate. All right, we're spinning. <laughs> We have celebrities, so I'm like uh, breathing a sigh of relief here. So my celebrity. You can't I, own a person, Rick. <laughs> I have two picks that I'm like quite happy with, I think are very solid picks. I am making this decision on the fly just because we've talked about some heavy things in this episode, so I'm going to switch it up and go a little bit lighter on this one, and I'll, if, it, if, if my other celebrity doesn't get picked, then I'll, I'll say who that was later on. But my celebrity for the 2010s, I'm going to go with Kim Kardashian. Oof. That's me breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the way that Kim Kardashian has impacted this culture, like I don't think it's necessarily a positive way that Kim Kardashian has affected this pop culture, but there's no denying that she has been instrumental in how the world perceives people these days and i'm talking in like the sense of like the beauty standards like kim kardashian has changed the beauty standards in our culture that people like we go back to the 20 or the 2000s where it was the bangs and the horrible the horrible fringes and the low-waisted jeans and being like stick thin you know like being yeah that waif waif figure yeah. yeah like being you know, like all of the models were all incredibly skinny and had no curves and like, you know, you could see their hip bones and that kind of thing to now Kim Kardashian becomes popular and everyone's talking about thick with two C's. And it's just, yeah, like that, that change in the beauty standards was absolutely massive. We like, you know, she's obviously Kim Kardashian famous for being famous, you know, like people say that she hasn't really contributed much, but obviously she has her own TV show. She's created her own empire of like fashion and what is it? Fashion, makeup. Uh, she also had, I mean, she's, <laughs> I don't want to say that she's been in movies. That was before the, uh, that was before the 2010s, but obviously skyrocketed to fame from one particular movie where we don't need to talk about that too much. What are you talking about? <laughs> I see Robbie pick up his phone. He's like, starts Googling. <laughs> <laughs> what movies has Kim Kardashian been in? Uh, but also like just the fact of her, like her life is so followed these days as well that I think she's also a huge part of why we have this influencer lifestyle is because people are trying to emulate the life that they see through Kim Kardashian. Like people are so interested in who she's married to and who she's dating. We had the, the very famous, the 72 day wedding from Kim Kardashian. And then later on in the decade, she marries Kanye West and they have two kids together, which is like the hugest, you know, biggest celebrity wedding in a long, long time. They've and, got four you know, kids. Four kids. I've oh, got I four. Yeah. Four. And then also the fact that you know, like, there was the whole Kim Kardashian breaks the internet. Like, no, I don't think there's, I think there's only one other person on this list who has been talked about more than Kim Kardashian in this decade. And as I said, I didn't pick them because I wanted to go something a little bit less heavy for this, uh, for this episode. So yeah, Kim Kardashian, that's my number one pick. I don't think anyone's had uh, as big of an impact on popular culture as kim kardashian yeah the kardashians definitely have a strong grip 
I suppose, and particularly on young women. And, you know, you look at the reality TV show and they were definitely within all areas of the culture. Like they had their own fashion line, beauty brands. Uh, you've got then Kylie Jenner going off in one direction. And I think it's really um, Chris Jenner being like, okay, we need to capitalize on this and realize the opportunity that, uh, you know, putting themselves out there and really making making a personal life uh, a public life. And yeah. that's, Chris I think, Jenner, that influencer. The ultimate mummager. Yeah. And you're right. Like, I think it has influenced people and particularly the way that we use social media as well, that it becomes a performative piece rather than a reflection of what's actually going on. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's so many people in this world nowadays that social media is their job, you know, like, and trying to emulate that fact of like, so like, you know, I can recreate this life or this image of what my life is supposed to be like, and then I can make money doing so. And I mean, like, you know, talking about the rest of the Kardashians as well is that they, if we, if we're being honest, like they rode the coattails of Kim at the very start of all of that until Kylie, Kendall, Chloe, like they became their until own Until Kylie became the youngest billionaire in the world. Off the back of Kim Kardashian. Yeah, but she has more yeah. money than her sister now. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean that but she's But I don't think impactful. that she's had as much impact. Like maybe in the second half of the decade, Kylie Jenner, I think, probably took off a little bit more, but Kim has been solid throughout. And that, that work started, I think, with her mate Paris Hilton. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, thing. I think Kylie is more of like a like 2017 onwards, 2017, 2018 onwards until now. Yeah. But yeah. All right, Robbie? Who have you got? Sorry, before um, we start, Robbie, did you end up looking up Kim's film or not? No, I still don't. <laughs> I still don't know. I saw this show a movie with a guy called Ray J. I don't, I don't know. What yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Well, I think my celebrity pick might be the one that Rick avoided just based on the fact that he said it was not white, which uh, is Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, forty fifth president of the United States, um, and just a. Oh, it's a melon, you know. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> melon. Yeah, what just, a way to describe someone. <laughs> it's just, yeah, like from his Twitter to just like even in the debates, you know, when he was like trying to win his presidency, like everyone's coming in and they're like, oh, yeah, like I'm such and such and I, I, I really support like education or religion. And then Donald Trump just starts like battering them. You know what I mean? He's not actually like, oh, this is what I'm here for. He just goes, yeah, but you suck. And everyone's like, yeah, Trump, that's great. Like he's just from start to finish, just been controversial the whole way through. And it's been so entertaining to watch. So much fun. <laughs> like, I mean, I'll be completely like since Joe Biden's got into the White House, I don't know a thing that's going on over there because it's just like, he's not doing anything controversial for people to be like, oh, that's a bit of a worry. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that a good thing? I find that so relieving. No, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. But I'm like, I just don't, like, I don't know what's going on over there because he's not making a dick of himself. Yeah, but it's not as fun anymore. That's what right? I'm saying. Like it's that's, what, <laughs> that's why Trump is, he's the celebrity. Like, anything he did, news news reporters just like, oh my God, Donald Trump did this. Yeah. You know? There was there was a there was a space in time when he was the president that four years I mean obviously he was the 2016 Times Person of the Year because he was he was the second person on my list he was the other person that I was considering for this but yeah 2016 Times Person of the Year but there was just that moment those four years when he was the president where everything everything in the world everything in media it just revolved around Donald Trump 
Like, you could not turn on the TV without hearing about Donald you didn't, Trump. You didn't know what he was going to do. You know what I mean? Like, because he had no um, political experience. He was just like, he was just a businessman that ended up in the White House. And like, you know, if, if you pissed him off, he was just going to be like, yeah, no, okay, well, I can, I have the ability to just do whatever I want. So everyone's just kind of on edge for four years straight. But, you know, we what a of, wild four years. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely insane. I think it shows as well the fact that so many people think that uh, just because they have money, they can do what they want and say what they want. Uh, and particularly interesting, like Donald Trump's Twitter as well, the fact that he was like, oh, no, I'm not going to use the POTUS tag. I'm going to have my own real Donald Trump one. And that's where you'll follow me. And don't listen to the things that POTUS publish. And it's fake news. And it's fake just news. That's fake hysteria news. Hysteria is what he calls like constant hysteria, <laughs> constant remember. tension. Um, and yeah, he kept his name in the, in the news cycle for sure. But I don't necessarily he like his own, get like, comfort from field. it. Like everything revolved around him. Like oh, yeah. he was just a black hole that everything just circled around. And like he was everywhere, like literally everywhere. And it was like infuriating in a way, but also at the same time, kind of funny. Like I, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie that like while it was like terrifying that it also wasn't funny. <laughs> like, he's got... I mean, you look at the presidents of the United States, right? Like, and obviously we're not in, in the USA, but so many sound bites that came from Donald Trump that just, like, you listen to them, you're like, that's fucking hilarious. This guy is insane. And he's also the president of the United States of America. Like, what a wild turn of events for America. Just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he was a weird dude. Still is. Still is. like... I just love the way that he talks as well. Like his lips like fold back, especially when he says China. 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 <laughs> you come from China. <laughs> yeah. Why do you keep calling it the Chinese virus? Because it comes from China. China. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really interesting as well. Like there's not many times that you would consider a politician to be a celebrity, but I think because – Donald Trump is that crossover of businessman and then he was on the Apprentice. What was it? The, the Apprentice. Yeah, as the host of at that and they're like, You're fired. And people are like, Oh my God, Donald's so funny and great and oh he's just a bit of a laugh. And then suddenly he's like, Oh no, he has so much more power now that I wouldn't consider like I don't think any of us would have considered Obama to be a celebrity or George Bush to be a celebrity. Like, yes, they're politicians and they're leaders, but it's not that celebrity status that we... I think, kind of I think, I think Obama, Obama I was like, close to that I feel precipice. like Obama was definitely a celebrity. Like, yeah. first black celeb- uh, prime minister, uh, president. President. Um, <laughs> I think it makes him notable, but I don't know if it's that that's notability and celebrity are the same thing. I don't know. He was on talk shows with, like, Jimmy Fallon, so I'm like, that means you're a celebrity, right? No, but all presidents do that and prime ministers. Like Kevin Rudd was on the bloody Rove McManus show back in the day. You wouldn't know what that is, Robbie, but. (laughs) I know who Rove McManus is. Fuck you. All right. That's enough space for Donald Trump. Uh, Is it? (laughs) Is it? He had four years. What's another 10 minutes? (laughs) Four more years. Four years. Four more years. (laughs) Dana. What do you got uh, for th- us, Dana? Thank you. I did have Kim on my list. And for a long time, I had Leonardo DiCaprio at the top of my list. Like he absolutely dominated the box office. Oh, uh, yeah. We've mentioned some of his films before. Inception, Django Unchained, Great Gatsby, Wolf of Wall Street, Revenant, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, and lots of activism work as well. But we're talking about the boys here. 
we're talking about One Direction and I think that we can't necessarily, like I would love, absolutely love to say my celebrity is One Direction, but I recognize them as individuals, you know? Uh, So I'm actually going to go with Harry Styles as my celebrity. Now, we could do a whole separate podcast on One Direction, but obviously came to fame from The X Factor, had five albums during the decade, Up All Night, Take Me Home, Midnight Memories, Four and Made in the AM. Be ominous that they called their fourth record Four and then their next record they only had four members just saying, um, and have sold over 70 million records worldwide. And so I think those accolades can carry through to Harry as well, because then once the band decided that they would uh, take a break for a bit, Harry then went off on his own, as did all of the members, um, and released Harry Styles in 2017 and then Fine Line in 2019, but then also went on to star in Dunkirk as well, another Christopher Nolan film absolutely incredible I think that they took a hold and really came at a time where yes they're one of the best boy bands of all time but they also came at a time where Twitter was kind of reaching its peak as well and so the access that we had to pop stars and celebrities and famous people uh, was at a different level where we felt like we could have a bit more of an insight into what their everyday lives were as well And I think the banter between all of the boys was fantastic. But for me, Harry takes that celebrity status just because I think the success that he took from One Direction to then build his career. And obviously he's having a stellar uh, decade this decade as well with uh, a few feature films coming out and his third album uh, being released as well. But I'm not going to spend too much time talking about One Direction because I've got lots of feelings. I will mention though that uh, when Zayn Malik left the band, I took the day off of uni, uni to mourn because I was that upset by it. I stayed in bed all day reading articles and crying. I was definitely way too old to be doing that, but it was a very sad day. And as a result, I didn't, I didn't purchase Made in the AM because I was like, well, they're not the band without Zayn. Um, and so I couldn't, I couldn't listen to it, but I do have some vintage One Direction merch in my house. Um, and yeah, Harry's an absolute babe. So Harry Styles is my celebrity. Vintage merch and it came out like six years ago. <laughs> oh no, I, I will go get some of my merch. One second, just wait. <laughs> All right, what do you got? A few moments later. <laughs> right. We've got. My One Direction clock. It's a clock. (laughs) Now, this is definitely from their X Factor days. Um, And then we have my – and this this is another old school piece as well. Look how little they are. This is where Niall refused to smile with his teeth because it was before he had his dental work done. But look how little they are. Um, And then just kind of One Direction – on the back. I refuse to let my partner drink out of this mug. I'm the only person who's allowed to drink out of it for fear that it will get broken. Um, I did have a One Direction toothbrush as well, an electric toothbrush that sang um, what makes you beautiful. And when that stopped, you knew it was time to stop brushing your teeth. And I had a Liam trucker hat as well. Um, that's because my dad bought it for me. It was on special at Woolies one day. And he was like, oh, Dana loves One Direction. But unfortunately, he got me a Liam one. And I was like, that's fine. I, was, I still love it. Um, also had their fragrances back in the day. Was a big fan of the fragrances. Oh, um, Sweet, and have been to uh, both of their Perth concerts, but refused to go to Harry Styles' upcoming concert for fear that I might run into Olivia Wilde and be genuinely upset because I have a deep-setted belief 
in my absolute core that Harry Styles and I, when we see each other, that's it. And I've spoken to my partner about it. And I was like, just so you know, when Harry and I meet, like we're, we're done. And he's like, yep, that's fine. Cause I, I genuinely believe that Harry Styles will fall in love with me when he meets me. Um, and so I can't bear to go to his concert just because if I see Olivia Wilde, who is currently dating, um, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that's it. I'm like, it's it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm too scared for that to happen. But I did also at their first concert, I spent a lot of the next day trying to convince my boyfriend at the time to drive me to Crown Casino because that's where the boys were staying just so I could possibly see them. So I've got a very deep connection to one D. Um, oh, and yeah, Harry's, really? Harry's up there. Yeah. Look, I'm going to be honest. This sounds more like a, uh, a pick that you've made purely just based on your own personal preferences. <laughs> uh, for sure. I also feel like I'm that crazy ex-girlfriend meme where she's like, oh. yeah, no, that's exactly um, the vibe I'm getting right now. Yeah, the crazy ex-girlfriend but, without ever having met him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But also like, I, I, I think it's a great pick in terms of Harry. Um, aside oh, from my personal feelings, like, like I we, think we no, just listen but to pers- you. <laughs> yeah, but personal feelings aside, and look, edit it how you will. I mean, yeah, he's a very successful edit it how man. you will. <laughs> I'm gonna edit out all of the like. All of the awards and everything that you've mentioned, and it's just going to be. I, I love, have all of his merch. I love him so much. He's so he young. will be married. Yeah, I'm leaving my partner if he looks at me. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Look, I have no problems with that staying in the podcast. I love him. <laughs> all right, uh, Joyces. Let's move on. <laughs> to tv shows yes oh wait no i wanted rick to get tv shows i i don't know if my tv show is gonna get picked to be honest because i didn't go with the obvious choice because you haven't watched it i've watched two seasons of it (laughs) means fuck all rick nice try I have not gone Game of Thrones because I have not watched it. And I feel like that's what Robbie's Yes! <laughs> so I just want to make that clear. Um, and uh, because I couldn't, I couldn't put as a show, like what you were saying before, Rick, I want to have a bit of integrity with this list and I have not watched Game of Thrones. So I didn't feel like I could put it on my list. And it's a really interesting, like for me, TV in this period took off and that comes down to, uh, I, I think off the back of, you know, this superhero remake reboot trend where people wanted a guarantee production companies then started investing their money more in TV because they knew they could get the audience. We had this kind of streaming, streaming platforms where people could sit down and binge a whole season rather than having to wait for a week to week release. And so there's been some really great storytelling that's happened throughout TV. And I found it really difficult to pick one and I'm going to go I'm going to go with Stranger Things, actually, uh, which started in, in 2016 and is still currently going. And I, the reason that I'm picking this show is that I think it kind of goes back to that nostalgia feeling that we were talking about earlier. Uh, and this ha- obviously has a lot of 80s nostalgia for people that grew up in, in that decade. Um, and we're hearing the music that we loved. We're seeing the toys that we owned and revisiting like games that used to hook us in in terms of Dungeons and Dragons and all of that. But then... You know, we're also fascinated and terrified by what we're seeing in terms of this side world with the upside down. Uh, it's great cast: David Harbour, Winona Ryder, 
uh, Finn Wolfhart, Millie Bobby Brown, Noah Sharp can go on. Schnapp, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think that this binge model has made the show successful because it had like we've now got shows that rely on cliffhangers every single week to keep people watching that next episode and to keep it ticking over. Um, and yeah, I just think that it's got this universal appeal with fitting that mold of there's a superhero element to it. There's a big bad that we're trying to fight, but there's also heart and having kids at the center of it, particularly in the earlier seasons that have obviously grown up now, um, was nice to be rooting for kids to, to come out on top and to, to beat these kind of scary monsters and these adults, they didn't know what was happening. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my number one pick. That was, good. That was my second pick. I like that pick, but have I either s- of you watched it? I'm assuming. Yes. Rick. Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't watched it. No. Okay. No. Have you guys played Dungeons and Dragons before? I have. Yes. Yes. I, have. I haven't played Dungeons. I really want to play Dungeons and Dragons. It's actually pretty fun. But like, if yeah. you, if you're, a, if you're a person that, genuinely plays the game you'll hate playing with me because oh i would be just playing just to have fun like absolutely just like yeah yeah because yeah. I, I i've got a bunch of mates and we all started playing at the same time and they got like really into it and they were like quickly realized they're like oh we can't keep playing with robbie because like anytime we come across something i was like i'm just gonna hit it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, hit, it. I'm just gonna hit it <laughs> yeah i was the same except my character had wings so i was just like and i fly away and leave you all to fight the baddie i'm just good luck I'm everybody just else yeah pretty much <laughs> uh-huh. bye I made like a tank, like I made a, a hobbit, but I turned him into like a barbarian. So he was just like good choice. It was yeah. like it was like three feet tall, but just like just massively strong. Uh, but anyway, with my TV show, as the only person in this uh, trio that has watched it, I've gone with Game of Thrones. It was just the biggest thing going at the time, pretty much start to finish. Didn't have the best of endings, you know. That's uh, the unfortunate truth of it. But, you know, I don't know if Rick's... Actually, I don't care if you don't want spoilers. You haven't watched it. It's your fault. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's based on the books, but eventually the show caught up. And, you know, I think George R. R. Martin's probably not going to finish his next book before he bites the dust because, you know, let's face it, he's old and he's... That's morbid. Jesus. (laughs) The cast in that show is really, for me, what held it because... It's just ridiculous, you know. You've got people like um, Lena Headey, Charles Dance, um, like Peter Dinklage, you know. And then you got to introduce people that you haven't seen before, like Kit Harrington and Sophie Turner, Macy Williams. You know, just this the uh, the settings of the show, the cast in the show, and then just the music as well. Everything was just done so well for those first five seasons. And, you know, just to the levels that it went to with graphic effects, you know, whether it was someone getting their head crushed by the mountain, you know, with his bare hands. It was just insane. I just love that show so much. I watched it with my mum, actually, as as a kid. I started watching the show, I think I was like 12. And she was like, oh, what are you watching? I was like, oh, it's Game of Thrones. And she started watching it. I think I was at the third season. And she asked me to restart. And in the first episode of the first season... It's not really a thing you want to watch with your mum as a 12-year-old kid because it's like, I think there was like two rape scenes and then like some dude killed a kid and the other dude cut the head off a horse. And you just saw, and my mum's like, oh, this is different. I was like, oh yeah, cool. Charming. 
But no, that I mean, like, just everyone I knew at that time was watching this show. Like, there wasn't a person in my life that wasn't, except for my sister, but she doesn't watch anything, so we don't count her. Poor Amelia. Just constantly watching Grey's Anatomy. Oh my god, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's, but yeah, like, you know, my family was watching it, my friends were watching it, even the teachers at school were watching it, because like, we talked to Sometimes we wouldn't even do study in class. We just talked to them about the new episode of Game of Thrones. They'd be like, oh, I haven't watched it yet. Got to wait till tomorrow. You know, it's just ev- everyone was involved with it. Um, but yeah, I just thought that show was incredible, and I I haven't seen anything quite like it since. Game of Thrones, my choice, best show ever. So Game of Thrones was that released by HBO? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was they were one of the few uh, productions that decided to do a week-by-week release rather than get on board with this streaming model. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that, Robbie, in terms of people being like, I haven't seen the episode yet, don't talk about it, which is not something that we're used to doing now because people say, I haven't seen the series yet because it's the expectation that people would watch the whole thing on the weekend that it was released. Whereas, yeah, Game of Thrones was the exception where you would have people every Monday going to somebody's house that had access to it or, unfortunately, illegally downloading it to be able to, to watch the show. Uh, and keep that conversation going on a week-by-week basis. I was going to say, because I remember when the last season came out, I was in London and I met someone who lives in, who who is from Bunbury, but I met her in London and she had it on her phone because she had the, the streaming service over there. And she was like, we can watch this episode if you want. I was like, oh, absolutely, yeah. We're at like a hostel in the middle of London. It was like, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going sightseeing tomorrow. I'm watching the final episode of Game of Thrones. This is what we're doing. And like even the staff of the hostel, they like shut off one of the rooms with a projector screen and they just had it playing. And like it wasn't something that the place organised. It was just like, oh, well, we're going to do this, obviously, because it's the last episode of Game of Thrones. It's the expectation. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, it was it was a big I like I never watched it but I I remember people just constantly talking about it it's I yeah not a bad pick I guess <laughs> whatever Rick all right are you guys ready because I my pick is what? off the board a little bit is it is it wait is it comedic some would say it's comedic yes is it shameless it's not shameless so I had I had a couple of different things I had I had breaking bad on the board as well I haven't watched that. I haven't watched it either, and that's why I didn't pick it. <laughs> I think it might have started um, in the previous decade as well, so it didn't necessarily mm. kick off that decade. I also had uh, The Good Place, which is a fantastic TV show. If you haven't watched The Good Place, I really, really recommend it. And New Girl, which is just kind of like the 2010s version of Friends, but I, I personally think better. Like, I really, really enjoy New Girl. But those aren't my picks. I went... Back, 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 like right to the start of the decade. So it started on December 2009. I think it was like 28th of December 2009. Are we going to allow that, Dana? (laughs) One episode came out in the the very last days of 2009. I also appreciate, Robbie, that you're asking me if I allow it. (laughs) This is not Dana's show. (laughs) No, 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 no. But like, you know, we're not going to let one person rule it. So, you know, you got to ask whoever else is involved. So the show ran until 2012 and had a couple of spin-offs which took it all the way through to 2015. So it's has okay. it has multiple years within the decade. What is it like NCIS or Law and Order? No, no. I honestly <laughs> think that you could keep on guessing and I don't think you're going to get it. So 
I'm just going to come straight out and say it was an MTV smash hit, and my pick is Jersey Shore. <laughs> DTF. G- exact DTF. GTF. You fucking idiot. This is one of Jim like, Tan Laundry. Yes. Exactly. I, and I'm just like, I, this is kind of the same sort of pick that I made with Anaconda of like, okay, what actually impacted the culture a lot? And. Wow. Jersey Shore actually changed, like, actually changed the culture and the way that people were behaving and acting in the real world and outside of just like, oh, I'm watching TV. You know, people were like, people were talking about it, but people were also like trying to live this life. Like, nobody's going out and trying to live the Game of Thrones life, right? Like, uh, you know, speak for yourself. I'm talking about like actual life, not like, oh, I'm larping this weekend. I'm talking about like. People were like GTL became a thing. Like Jim Tan Laundry, that actually became a thing. It's one of like it's so quotable. It's such a quotable show. Paulie D is one of the best characters in all of TV. I think like just him walking around the house screaming, "Cabs are here! Cabs are here!" is fantastic. It's obvious. Obviously, it's trash TV, but I am a bit of a sucker for trash TV. I also think that Jersey Shore, if we look at like TV today, Jersey Shore was kind of the start for a lot of TV shows that are insanely like popular Love now. Island. Love Island, Too Hot to Handle, obviously Geordie Shore is a direct spin off of Jersey Shore. Like all of Love these shows. Love Geordie Shore. All of these shows are coming off of the back of the popularity popularity of Jersey Shore. I think that like, yeah, when we talk about actually changing the culture and affecting the culture, Jersey Shore is like, I don't want to say that slept on because, like, obviously it was super, super popular at the time, but Jersey Shore doesn't get enough credit for how, like, and again, like, this is the same thing of, like, Kim Kardashian. I don't necessarily think that the way that it impacted the culture is a positive thing, but it had such a huge impact on the way that that younger generation, our generation, live their lives. And it's, yeah, it was just massive and absolutely, like, cultural phenomenon that just led to more and more of this trash TV coming. So yeah, my pick 2000, 2009 to 2015, Jersey Shore. Love it. I, what I really like about the show as well is because it was filmed in that earlier part of the decade, the fashion trends were still transitioning. So you still had, you know, the people like wearing outfits that are more typically seen in like 2008, 2009, just carrying over. You've still got those like hyper orange spray tans, the like bouffant hair that people are teasing <laughs> yeah, the, back. Uh, I remember doing that stuff. Yeah, super, yep. super straight hair. Nobody curled their hair. Um, really tight form fitting bodycon dresses as well. Yeah, love it. I never, I never even thought of that as an option i didn't think of reality tv but you're right like geordie shaw as well was quite interesting um, so thinking outside the charlotte. box <laughs> yeah i'm charlotte and marnie but what i also like about it is i feel like without a show like big brother coming into the picture these types of reality observation shows wouldn't exist and i think it was just shocking for some people to see particularly women just go absolutely crazy on alcohol and drugs and having sex just out in the open and not caring and just seeing people oh it's another episode and we're going to the club again and then people wanting that lifestyle like oh we'll just find a roped off area of the club and and dance here and yeah wild wild times yeah it really was like the early 2010s were just crazy like just a very crazy time 
Um, yeah, I'm, I, that was that was going to be my number one pick regardless. So I'm kind of happy the way that that all played out. So there you go, Jersey Shore. We've only got one more category, so we'll just go straight into that, which is fads, trends, and fashions. And I'm a little bit bummed that I actually still have the first pick because I'm not 100% sure which way that I want to go with this. There's a couple of things that I have in mind, and I think like some of them which are like you could loosely define as being a trend and some of them which are, you know, legit trends. What do we think about like, I, I, this This will be my pick if you guys agree to it being a trend, but what do we think about lying about your life on social media? <laughs> do we think that's a trend? Like, do we think that's, because like, that's something which obviously only came out in the 2010s and as we talked about, like with the life of influencers these days. Where what, people, you mean like catfishing or whatever? No, I mean like people that like fabricate their life and like try to pretend that, oh, this is like, look at me, I'm on holidays in, you know, wherever. And no, I do this a, all of the time. A, that's not a trend. That's just something that weird people do, you know, like a trend something that like everyone will do. You know what I mean? It's just like, like trends are mainstream, like. I think you could argue that it is a trend, but I'm willing to let you do it because I think it's a weak answer and I think I can beat you. So off you go. <laughs> hmm. Well, Robbie says it's not, and Dana says it is, but I don't like her reasoning for why she says it is. Well, I like Dana's <laughs> reasoning, so I'm now Team Dana, and you should do it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do it. Fuck it. I've already said it. I'm going to go for it. So, fabricating your life on social media. So, the reason why I've gone for this is because, obviously, like based off of that pick of like, you know, the Kim Kardashian, that influencer lifestyle. I've recently just been on holidays, just come back from holidays, and it's infuriating how many people you see out there taking photos in front of a church in these like hokey Instagram poses where they're pretending to walk and looking behind them, you know, and whipping their hair back with half a step going and like, why don't you just walk? Why, why? I know, I know that I sound like a very old man right now, and I, I get that, and I'm Rick, really old man waves at clouds, you yeah. know. <laughs> I'm shaking my fist as I talk. Like, I get it. Get off my lawn. But at the same time, it's honestly mind-boggling to me that like we went. So me and my wife, we went to Mallorca. There's a massive chapel at Mallorca, which is very famous. The amount of people that are in front of that a chapel that are just taking like selfies of like yeah like i said themselves fake walking or you know posing doing the whole like make sure my butt is angled towards the camera and then i'm gonna just like coyly look over my shoulder with my my hand in my hair it's honestly infuriating and again i want you to be really honest with me right now rick did you take any photos like that for a joke no, I didn't. I didn't. <sighs> and this is the thing that bothers me the most is that we now walk past things. And because I get so mad about this is that like, I feel awkward if I, if I want to take a photo in front of something. It's like I'm feeding into this and I'm, I'm feeding into my own anger and, and annoying myself here. <laughs> but Angry Rick is angry. <laughs> I guess like the point that I wanted to make with this one and where I wanted to go with this is that social media has become obviously such a intrusive part of our lives these days that there's so many people online that have developed these like perfectly manicured and curated versions of their life, which does not exist. Like I have multiple friends on like Instagram, Facebook, that kind of thing who like I'm saying friends, you know, that's what Facebook calls them. People that I know throughout my life who I know are just like, 
normal people that just have their run-of-the-mill, you know, everyday life. They're not celebrities. They're not influenced, that kind of thing. But then their Facebook is, look at me living this influencer life. I, I'm at the crown again. I'm, I'm at the casino. Or this is that photo that I took from that holiday that I went on two years ago, but you haven't seen this photo yet. So it looks like I'm on another holiday. It's that idea of like, I am important and I need to show everybody how important and how fantastic my life actually is. And it's just this... um. What's the word? It's this uh, self-absorbed, this like very self-centered idea that like what is happening in my life is actually important to somebody else when in the grand scheme of things, it's really not. Maybe that's a weak answer, but just coming back from holidays, that's probably something that I wanted to get off my chest. (laughs) I was going to say, it just just feels like Rick's taken this category as an opportunity to get a rant. Look, I wasn't super happy. I wasn't super happy with the options that I had picked out. So look, maybe this is just an opportunity for me to rant. Uh, but yeah, fabricating your life on social media, that's the trend that I'm going to take. I think adding on to that as well, and I'm totally guilty of this, taking photos of food when you're out. Oh, you're the like, worst. Oh my God, I'm here. Yeah, I don't do it as much anymore, but definitely used to because I'm also a massive foodie. But it's just also showing like, oh, I'm out again. on a, I'm on a Wednesday breakfast day. And it's like, really, man? Like, I'm out here eating my raisin toast with like the last <laughs> scrapings of butter that are left Fuck in the container. Uh, yeah, it's a winner. Absolute breakfast of champions. Yeah. And just people being like, I need to prove to people that I am doing something outside of sitting on a couch and scrolling on a phone. But majority of the time, people are just scrolling on their, on their phone. Um, and thinking, how do I curate a life? My, my social media, my social media presence is, is almost non-existent. It's like, yeah, dead, Rick. Dead. No <laughs> reply. He's had the same profile picture for at l- the entire time that I have known Rick, which is coming up on four years. He's had the same profile picture. Yes, it is the same one. It's the the first time that I went to Germany. So my profile picture has not changed since 2017. So Rick has hair in his profile picture, not in real life. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. That's me living a life that I don't currently have. hypocrite he's nothing but a hypocrite the only thing on my facebook is the the occasional post that i share from our podcast page and memes that my dad tags me in that is the only things that are on my facebook oh and the occasional like rotor act volunteer event that i'm attending like i'll share those kinds of things but for the most part it's my dad tagging me in memes and i again i understand how old that i sound when i went on this little rant but it's, I think that it is such a pervasive part of our culture these days. It's like, oh, let me show you how incredible my life is when it's not really like that. And it just continues to feed because now the next person has to live up to that standard as well. And that's why I believe that it's a trend is because it is something that constantly feeds into itself and grows from that moment. Great finishing argument, Rick. Great finishing argument. Thank you very argument. much. Thank you very Finish much. Strong. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if you guys are going to agree with mine as a trend because... Yeah, I don't really know how to describe it. But would you count memes as trends? As a trend? Sure. Yes. I would. Awesome. Yeah. I had I had memes as an option for cultural moment, but oh. I feel like there's there's a trend element to them. Cool. Alright. Well yeah. For my number one pick of uh fads, trends and fashions, I've gone with memes, memes funnies it's pretty much how i communicate exclusively with my mates at this point we don't actually talk to each other we'll just send each other a meme based on you know how we're feeling or whether we just think something's funny like and i don't know if you guys do this but if you send memes to your friends and they don't reply to you that's totally normal and then you know they only reply by sending memes back 
Yeah, there's no actual conversation going on. But it's just Rick, is that your experience with your dad? <laughs> I generally like it's a thumbs up or a ha ha react. Oh, you'll, was... like yeah, you'll react to it, but you won't actually write back like, "Oh my god, that was so funny." You'll just <laughs> you'll just do the laughing react, and that's 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 pretty much it. I appreciate the fact that they're thinking about me, though. You know, like it's it's nice to know that oh, they saw this picture and I was you know I popped into their head and that's why they shared it with me. That's a very nice thought. But yeah, I just I I can't remember what people did on social media before memes rocked up and i'm pretty pretty young you know compared to you uh ricks out there and um (laughs) (laughs) i tell you it was mostly dog pictures there was still like like early early memes were not good and it just the like the i can has cheeseburger age of memes was not good yeah but early early social media people used to write statuses a lot more yeah, oh, Farmville, Parking Wars. Yeah, a lot of people are actually writing genuine statuses about what was actually happening in their lives and uploading photos from terrible parties or bad nightclub experiences. Please do not look at my social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Rick, can we please go to Facebook after this? <laughs> Dana just does a quick fucking Do not tag me on social media. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I just... I just think memes are like a really big part of um, of social media today, and how people uh, talk to each other, and like even like people even re- reference memes just in conversation. I don't know about you guys, but my friends definitely do that all the time. Like we'll just be talking, and end up talking about one of the memes that one of us shared, and then eventually the whole group's talking about it. And it's just part of life. It became its whole way of communicating, as well as like information sharing as well. Like yeah, a totally, big part right. of like the 2016 elections was a lot of that was memes. Like so many memes that were just based around like if you're against Hillary or against Trump, like it was all memes. I found out about Queen Elizabeth's death by seeing a meme about what's going on in heaven right now. It was like Diana boxing the queen. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Far out. And I was just like, I was like, what the fuck? And so, yeah, I looked it up. I was like, oh shit, the queen, like that's how I get my news now. You know, yeah. like I'll see a meme and I'll be like, I don't get it. And then I'll kind of like look into it and then I'll be like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. That's real yeah. concerning, Robbie. Maybe you should download a couple of news apps. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> I have You're memes. Good. I have memes. Rick is also very good at making his own memes. I have laughed countless hours at some of the memes Rick has sent me over the years about people that we may or may not know. Um, <laughs> oh my god, Rick, have you, Rick, have you made a meme about me? Only the ones that you've seen on social media. The podcast I'm still, page. I'm still mad about the one of you dunking on me. <laughs> I'll never happen in your life. I was I was very happy about that photo. <laughs> now I think memes memes is a good pick. Memes is a good pick. Thank you. Alright, Dana, bring us home. Great. I have picked my trend to be viral video challenges i feel like it's a trend because it feeds into each other like you were mentioning before rick but also there's always another one to do so just to name a couple of them over the years the cinnamon challenge would not recommend um have done would not do again um bottle flipping the bottle cap challenge we had to try and kick the bottle cap off the ice bucket challenge which i think is probably one of the more notable ones because of the charity element to it and the fact that you were tagging people to then do the challenge next and you were almost held accountable to that uh planking as well um and the harlem shake so harlem shake, i feel yeah. like I remember, yeah yeah the mannequin the, challenge 
see, it just keeps going. There's the mannequin challenge. You've got, remember the Ellen photo from the Oscars and people trying to do that all the time. I just think that there's so many great viral video challenges and probably the only one that's had a notable and good cause behind it is the ice bucket challenge. You forgot about neck nominating. Neck, oh yeah, neck nominating and neck minute. Do you not remember neck nominating? No. Oh, this was a very big thing in Australian culture. Uh, Well, is this the neck minute thing? I think it kind of came from that a little bit, but neck nominate was like you nominated somebody, you would scull a beer and then you would nominate somebody to then scull after you. That's wicked. So it was literally like my Facebook feed at that time was just video after video after video of people just sculling beers. Like, I am so sick of this. This is ridiculous. Oh, there was also the Diet Coke and Mentos challenge where people would try and scull their Diet Coke after putting Mentos in there. Have any of you actually done any of these viral video challenges before? Uh, I did the ice bucket challenge. And I remember when I was on Levers, they, like, the whole, we had like a, there was like a beach party and the whole beach party did the mannequin challenge. It was really fucking weird. <laughs> I have done the cinnamon challenge and also would not recommend. Oh, the cinnamon challenge. Yeah. Oh, no. I've done the, the was it the banana and lemonade one? Have you done that? No, I haven't heard What's of that, that one. that? You have to like eat a whole banana and then like chug a two-liter bottle of lemonade and it, it makes you throw up. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I threw up after yeah. the cinnamon challenge as well, so what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, so did I. Well, would not recommend. But yeah, I think that that really defines the decade, those constant video trends. And again, kind of speaks to what we've been talking about in terms of advertising yourself and promoting yourself through your social media and making it known that you're doing fun things and other people should maybe be doing these fun things and you should react and, and enjoy the fun things that I'm doing. And isn't everything so great and fun? And, oh, my God, it's so great. Uh, and that's what these video trends kind of yeah. fed into as well. Nice. I think, yeah, yeah, good picks. Good picks, guys. I think that me and Dana both had very good picks in this last one. <laughs> I like how you just always, always jump on the Dana bandwagon. Like, oh, I'll just attach myself to this and then I'll be safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just mean, you know, just came in a little weak at the finish there, Rick. Oh, look, I don't know about that because I think that the way that people have actually modeled their lives, and I'm talking about like life changing, the way that they live, I think mine's still pretty strong and up there. Uh, should, we, should we quickly run through our lists? Yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So for song, Robbie had Old Town Road. Yes, he did. For movie, Robbie had Inception. Yes, he did. Celebrity, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. TV show, Game of Thrones. Sporting moment, the 2016 NBA Finals. Fads, fashions, and trends. Robbie had memes. Nerd movie, Rogue One. And cultural moment, Robbie had legalizing same-sex marriage in Australia. Yeah, Dana? That's good. I'm good. Dana had Dancing on My Own in song. Average. <laughs> Movie, Get Out. Celebrity, Harry Styles. Bit of a crush there, maybe. Maybe just based Be off Be still of my that. beating heart. That was, that was like, that wasn't a crush. That was, that was obsessive. That was you on your rant about people's fake social media. No problem. No uh, TV problem show, Dana has chosen Stranger Things. Sporting moment was the Russian doping scandal. Fads, trends, and fashions, the viral video challenges, nerd movie, and game, the obvious choice. And uh, cultural moment, Dana had Coney 2012. 
And then for myself, song, I had Anaconda by Nicki Minaj. Movie, I had Frozen. Celebrity was Kim Kardashian. TV show was Jersey Shore. Absolute classic. Sporting moment, the 2018 AFL Grand Final between West Coast and Collingwood. Top. Fads, trends, and fashions, I had Fabricating Your Life on social media. Nerd movie, I had uh, I had Black Panther. And cultural moment, I had the 2017 hashtag Me Too movement. I think there's there's some strong those are some strong lists, guys. I think I think we've done a pretty good job of like boiling down the 2020s uh, the 2010s in a nutshell. There, I think I'm getting all three votes this time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, it shows the variety of the decade as well and we've had some really great conversations about what made up the decade and just the absolute absurdity of some of it mm, just trump. yeah how absolutely like batshit crazy some of it was i know trump oh, yeah. was the leader of a country yeah trump was the most powerful man in the world for four years at a time that's just like mind-blowing to think about no look i am uh i'm going to hit up my parents and make sure that they vote properly this time instead of just liking the post. So you guys are going to have to come hard because that's like three built-in votes that I've got already with uh, Cora. <laughs> Cora. Cora told me that she's voting for me this time. Well, it's, it's really funny because the three votes that were on there was Cora voted for me. And, and I will put this out there as well that I actually got her to blind. I gave her the categories and then got her to pick and she still picked mine. Yeah, I don't so, trust that. So Cora voted for me. Jalali, which is uh, Dana's partner, voted for Dana. <laughs> I didn't even know that me. he listened. There you go. The, and Robbie, I think, got the only like impartial vote, which was uh, the uh, the owner of the comic book store in, in Bunbury. Yes! <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I love you, man. I was tempted not to count it because he didn't react. He oh, just said, that's sick. <laughs> he just said, <Yes>. Team Robbie. <laughs> oh, yes, Chris. My guy. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up there. Dana, thank you so much for joining us again. It's always so much fun. Um, yeah, had a blast. Was there anything that you wanted to, to say? Good to see Robbie end? prepared. No, I, yeah, it was great to see. We'll see you at some, the end of the decade. Uh, look, it's just always a good time here. Uh, so thanks for having me take part. Hope to do it again soon. Yeah, it's always a good conversation. I mean, obviously, we've got plenty of other decades. We can go back to the 90s. No, no, no. no <laughs> bit, of, bit of home court advantage please. there. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even alive. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Dana. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, these are always such fun episodes. This is going to be a long one. Uh, there's a fair bit of editing that's going to have to go into this one, but this is going to be a long episode. So thank you so much for uh, listening and sticking with it all. Uh, as always, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're going to have some graphics up with all of our our choices for the draft. So make sure you put in some votes. Hopefully mum and dad vote properly this time so I can win this one. But yeah, please guys, put in some votes. We, we This is all for bragging rights. We do this for fun, but we also do this so we can hold it over each other. So make sure you vote. I won. I won the last one. Why? Because you Cause just my, liked cause, it? Because I got, I got the only vote from a non-partner. You know what That I mean? doesn't count. No, it's, that's exactly it, no, what it is. That's not how voting works. As man. defending champion, this I is wish a you both luck. <laughs> you don't just get to change the rules on the fly. <laughs> uh, make sure you have liked and subscribed wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss any episodes. And yeah, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week. Bye, Mum. Bye, Mum. Bye, Mum.